Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. In Olympia, Washington, I'm Andrea Ballard. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're continuing our month of packable treats with a big batch bake made on a cookie sheet, our sugar cookie bars. We'll also review our chocolate oatmeal peanut butter bars from last week and share some of our favorite school lunch and home ec memories. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, in episode 41, we talked a lot about treats that have power, the power of protein. And as is often the case, uh, once we start talking about something, then it's jumping out at me everywhere. I ran across a recipe I had torn out several months ago, actually, when I was still in Seattle. It's um, from the July 2017 issue of Good Housekeeping magazine. And it is a protein muffin called Spiced Plum and Quinoa Muffin. Oh. And quinoa has kind of become this gag joke, much like kale, you know. Right. Um, it's so so trendy and you see it everywhere and it's you know so fun to make fun of but uh, what it does do is add a lot of protein to things and it jumped out at me because plums are just totally in season still uh, yes. and this sounds like a really good morning muffin it um, it has a little bit of whole wheat flour all-purpose flour uh, the quinoa really yummy spices cinnamon ginger some full-fat yogurt and of course some butter and <laughs> Of course. And then some plums, and you, you chop up some of the plums, and then you also put some on the top. They're, so they're not only really pretty, but um, a nice a nice way to get some protein in the morning, too. So I will throw a link up on that one if people are looking for other kind of protein treats. That, that could be a good one. I look forward to seeing that one. I am not used to seeing plums in pastries uh, or in muffins, in muffins. specifically. I thought that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And it's such a great season still into September for them. So uh, might, might be I'm worth excited. a try. Yeah, I'm excited about that. The thing I'm loving over here is uh, perhaps I'm a little late to the game. I'm sure other people have been doing this for a while, but I'm really just getting into audiobooks. Are mm. you a fan of audiobooks or are your kids fans of audiobooks? I've never done an audiobook. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I know. I'm not the last one in the universe. <laughs> Yay. Well, of course, I knew audiobooks existed. And I think I tried an audiobook for the first time, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years ago. And it was a new book from an author that I love. And it was read by, I cannot remember the person, but they did a Southern accent. And I got about one chapter into it. And I was like, I can't listen to this. It's driving me crazy. Because it was and such a poor Southern accent? <clears throat> yeah, it sounded yeah. really fake. Yeah. It just yeah. sounded really fake. And so, and then I went and read the book and I loved the book. So in my head, I just thought, well, audiobooks are never as good as the real book, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, this summer, we spent so much time on road trips and in the car. And at a certain point, you know, you even run out of uh, podcast. So I thought, well, I'm going to take a look at audiobooks. And I was a little nervous at first because they're not cheap. You know, they can be like $23, $25 for a book. And then I discovered my library. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. 
my library is connected to OverDrive, and I think most libraries are connected to OverDrive. I could be wrong about that, but for our library, you can go, you can search the book title, and then if it's available as an audiobook, you download it on OverDrive. It downloads right to my phone, and then I can just listen to it in my car or, you know, taking my dog for a walk, and What's been really fun is listening to audiobooks with my daughter because Uh when she was little, I read out loud to her, and I love that. And then when she hit the point where she wanted to read by herself, for a little while, I would kind of read the same books and we would talk about them. But at a certain point, you know, I I just, uh, you know, there's only so many books you can read that are not, you know, your kind of book. And But now she's into young adult books or middle teen books, maybe is what I would call them, middle readers. And I actually really love young adult books. So we listened to two audiobooks on a road trip this summer. And it was interesting comparing the two. One, I think, was very well written, but its format didn't do well for an audiobook because it had alternating narrators. And so the words he said and she said were in there very often so that you could know which narrator was talking. But when you're listening to that in an audiobook, it just about drives you nuts. And there's only every one voice. Then. And there was only yeah. one voice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but then we picked up another one that I think was just on the library's list of like, you know, you might want to try this. And we listened to it and it was so good. And it was so fun to be able to like, several times my daughter would press the pause button and ask me a question about something. And several times I pressed the pause button and said, hey, I want to talk to you about um, what just happened in this scene, <laughs> you know. So oh. uh, I I just think it's a great thing to do. And so I have even just now downloaded an audiobook for myself. So I'm reading um, Anna Quinlan, who's one of my favorite authors, and it's called A Spool of Blue Thread. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I am just loving it. So That's awesome. I've heard from lots of my friends. I have a friend who regularly travels in the summer um, to all uh, they they hit a bunch of uh, national parks and they oh. she'll she'll do her posts and and she'll be like here you know we're loaded up and she goes down through the the list of audiobooks uh, that they that they cover on the on the trip um, you know a long long road trip so I think that's becoming more and more popular especially if you're not too keen on you know having your kids like on devices or um, it, it still feels like you're accomplishing something also, but in a healthy and, you know, shared way also, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's that sharing, I think, that's mm-hmm. so fun. And as, especially, I think, with the middle readers or the the teen readers, you know, there's – if you have a kid who loves to read and they have a – I don't know what the word is – like a, a, a good vocabulary and they can read above their age, mm-hmm. you know, that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a blessing. But it's also a curse because a lot of the topics that they're reading about are not necessarily – the most appropriate for their age. And so I like that I can listen to the things my daughter's interested in, but hit that pause button and we can talk about things. And, you know, it kind of gives me more insight too into how she's processing things and what she thinks about things when we stop and talk about it. So I say check out an audiobook if you haven't done that. It's kind of a fun thing. And if you're driving your kids to school, you know, maybe it could be something with a shorter format, uh, depending on what kind of drive you have. Or if you're just going on some longer trips this fall, you're going to hit the road for, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, look into getting an audiobook the whole family might enjoy. Yeah. And if you regularly listen to those, tell us what some that you've particularly enjoyed would be. Oh, yes, please. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. 
Listeners, the other thing we would love um, for you guys to do for us, you might recall that last week, Stefan mentioned our one-year anniversary is coming up in November, and we would love for you to vote for your favorite preheated recipe. So pick something that we've baked during our first year. It might be our our um, rice pudding that we baked in the crock pot, or it might be um, our plum crostata. Find something that you liked and tell us what it was. Can't believe one year. Here it comes before we know I it. Know. I know. So exciting. Well, Andrea, uh, will the chocolate oatmeal peanut butter bars be on your list of your yearly favorites? Uh, let's find out. These were so good, and I had quite a few problems with them along the way. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it wasn't just me. I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad that they turned out because I had some challenges. So, um, The first error I made was she specifically says, do not use a glass pan. And I had used a glass pan. So (laughs) I don't know if that contributed at all. I I didn't know that she said, don't use a glass pan. That wasn't Mm -hmm. in the the recipe. Well, I I think she doesn't say it in such a negative way. She says, use a metal pan. Oh, okay. Well, that might be part of, oh, you're right. Look Mm -hmm. at that. Step three, grease a nine by 13 metal Mm -hmm. pan. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. She doesn't say that. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, actually, she does. My apologies. Dash of sanity. So, (laughs) yeah. So, um, I have a metal nine by thirteen. I just completely pulled out the wrong one. Um, Now, part of this, you know, it's going to be hard for me until I really get a hang of the ingredients and the products here to know how much of this is on me and what I'm having to use, and how much of this is on the actual the recipe. So, just you know, take that in mind as as I'm as I'm talking here. But um. Uh, I had to use golden syrup instead of caro syrup. We talked about that a little bit last episode in episode 42. Um, I actually love that. It actually, caro syrup to me has no flavor. It's just like sweet sugar, sugar. like hummingbird food or something. I think golden syrup just has such a nice and just kind of a warm golden flavor. And you could almost eat it on top of pancakes. I think some people do eat it on top of pancakes instead of maple syrup. That's how much of a good kind of robust flavor it has. So... I use that. Um, I'm still getting a hang of oatmeal here. Uh, She calls for rolled oats, which are my preferred oats in the States. That's not a quick oat. It's a thicker flake. Um, They have a lot of things called porridge oats here, and I had thought maybe that was the same as a rolled oat, but when I dumped it out of the bag, they sure looked more like quick oats to me. So that's what I had, and that's what I ended up using. Um, But the the biggest, Andrea... (laughs) sad moment the biggest sad moment i could not find chocolate chips and i was at the grocery store and i know they have them here i don't know if there had been a run on chocolate chips or what had been going on but not not even any kind we had talked before about maybe not being able to find semi-sweet chocolate chips Mm -hmm. so what i used and fortunately um dairy milk so cadbury's dairy milk uh chocolate bar you might be familiar with that they sell them in the states as well they have something called giant chocolate buttons. And I used those. And fortunately, okay. they melted really great, but they were super expensive because it was, I had to oh. buy like three bags, you know, to, to make oh, up for no. it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess all of this to say, all of the pieces came together and worked very well. People were just um, people, meaning my family. <laughs> loved them this you know peanut butter chocolate oatmeal i you can't kind of get 
much better than that with with these three folks. Um, so although it was a little frustrating along the way, it turned out really, really well for me. I hope that you had the same results, even if you sounds like might have had some struggles along the way also. I had some challenges as, w- as well, and I think if I had to give a one-line review, I would say amazing flavor, but difficulty with the texture slash, you know, execution. Okay. So um, a little more background on the bar. So the, I, the, this recipe has got a bar base, and then it's topped with a um, – topping of melted milk chocolate chips and peanut butter. And so um, the topping actually worked really well. I used milk chocolate chips. I used peanut butter. They both melted down. You know, I don't have a microwave, but I just did it on the stove on a very low heat. And that was super easy and worked great. The bar recipe, I can't um, blame a dash of sanity, the author of this recipe, because I made several modifications and um, probably screwed things up as a result. So um, the first thing is on the two thirds a cup of butter. I didn't. I, she said soften to room temperature, soft to the touch. But I actually melted it, oh. and I'm I'm thinking now that you know that that might have made a difference because what ultimately happened with these is that they crumbled, and so when I cut them, it was the the chocolate layer separated from the oat layer on on many of them as I was cutting them or as we were eating them. Like the oat layer was just falling onto your plate. Because it was kind of crispy? I, it just, it's funny because when I mixed it all together, it felt kind of like a typical bar layer to me and I pressed it in the pan and it pressed into the pan just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but just, you know, it, it just didn't set up. I don't know how else to say it. Now, the other change that I made, I use golden syrup. I use Lyle's golden syrup, um, and I, I love the flavor of that. Her recipe specifies three cups of instant oats and one cup of rolled oats. And I just use four cup of rolled oats because I don't have yes. instant oats. Right. I don't even know if I know what instant oats are. So rolled oats um, – more like a long, longer cooking time, right? And so yeah. I believe that instant oats have been kind of once again cut and and even um, they're they're both flattened. That's why they're rolled, not like a pinhead okay. oat, which is kind of like that little um, kernel. Yeah, I know looking, what those right? look like. Yeah. So th- they've been flattened, but I think they've just been kind of chopped much finer once again to speed up that that cooking time. So to me, they're more like um, I I don't care for them because I. I think they're just a little bit more gluey when they cook. Um, they are fast, and so I'll give them that. But um, I want my oatmeal to be a little more toothsome, I guess, which is why I always go with rolled oats also. But again, I'm pretty sure that I use the equivalent of quick oats here. <laughs> so. Well, and I'm th- and if yours didn't crumble, I'm thinking that might be a reason to use the instant oats. So that maybe- there might be something in that glueiness that holds it together. So, you know, I press my bar layer into my glass pan because I only noticed – About six minutes ago, as you pointed it out, that she said use metal. And I baked them. I pulled them out. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. They sort of – you know how you can kind of tell they didn't look hard? It didn't look set up? Mm -hmm. So I baked it for about another two minutes and pulled it out. And I thought, well, I mean, it's here in the bottom of the pan. It's going to be fine. Um, I poured my chocolate mixture on top. And then I let it sit out for a while before I popped it into the fridge to chill. Yeah, me too. Um, 
you know. Yeah, just to cool it down a little bit. And then popped in the fridge to chill it overnight. And then the next morning I started, you know, I pulled it out. I let it soften up for, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then um, I had done the parchment paper. So I just popped it right out of the pan and started cutting. And just immediately as I was cutting, um, the, the oat layer was just crumbling away and separating from the bars. So out of that huge 9 by 13 pan, I ended up with 12 that were decent. And then I ended oh, no. up with um, quite a few that just sort of crumbled away. I mean, don't get me wrong. They did not go to waste. Um, <laughs> I popped them right into a little Tupperware container and, you know, I nibbled on them. My husband nibbled on them. I mean, they still tasted just as good, but you know, you want you want a bite of both the oatmeal and the chocolate. And instead, mm-hmm. I was just getting you know one or the other. Mm-hmm. And it, when I served it after dinner and we had guests, it was just really messy to eat because you know I could see as people were like lifting it to their mouth, the oats were falling back down onto the plate. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, and when I'm when I'm thinking back about my mixture, I thought it was because I had the softened butter. And I remember like really having to work at it, getting it into the corners of the pan and feeling that it was very sticky. And I guess it just comes down to having, uh, you know, a, a, a more of a solid butter and then and then the melted because otherwise it sounds, yeah. you know, aside from the oats, well, and maybe the, the oats. And the instant oats. Yeah. It might be the oats. Um yeah, and definitely the melted. It was very sticky, much stickier than I'm used to with my normal bar type recipe things. Okay. Um, but I thought that was the syrup. You know, usually, I don't know, m- most of my stuff is just sugar, not syrup. So all that to be said, these are gone. Yeah. I mean, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> our, mm-hmm. our friends took some home. Um, I uh, had one right before we started recording. I mean, they are wonderful. But if you're going to pack them to take them to the office or put them in your kids' lunches, um, I recommend maybe you spend a little more time on the bar part and follow the instructions, unlike myself. Uh, Make sure you use those instant oats. Make sure you soften your butter as opposed to melt it. And let us know if you have better success than I did. Yeah. And I would just say, too, that if you can, um, I don't know, Andrea, you're going to have to hit that British baking aisle at your store again and tell me if these chocolate buttons exist there because I thought something about them was so nice and really creamy. Uh, gosh, back when we did our chocolate chipotle bark and we that's and, exactly what know? I was thinking of. And mm-hmm. we it, we um, we bought those chocolate melts and and we didn't chocolate like melting wafers. chocolate melting wafers and we didn't like them because they had a bunch of other stuff in them that made them easy to melt. That that didn't happen here. Um, that was uh, not the case. Um, I, I thought it really tasted just very chocolatey and didn't have you know I flipped the bag over looked at the looked at the ingredients didn't have all that same stuff so you can kind of feel a little better about it uh, and then just that really creamy dairy milk consistency so even though it was born of 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 this very frustrating experience not being able to find milk chocolate chips uh, it it turned out pretty pretty good so and then just so I'm yeah go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm realizing from your review here, then, so does that mean you are now out of the chocolate chips that you packed and brought with you when you moved? No, I still have those. Those are all okay. semi-sweet and I just didn't, because oh, yeah, gotcha. I didn't want to do it 
uh, okay. for this. No, because I was no. I was feeling an emergency situation. <laughs> I'm <was laughs> getting getting anxious <laughs> for you. No, milk chocolate chips are hard to find. I think even here. Um, I mean, I was able to find them. I got the um, I think it's the Giardelli brand, and but my regular grocery store doesn't carry them. I had to go to a different grocery store for those. So yeah, and I think I can get them online. It's just I thought, oh yeah, you know, I I should just be able to get that at the grocery store and and wasn't able to. Um, Yeah. So I think flavor wise, family loved it. Uh, Texture wise, these, these did work for me. Uh, Just one note too, is that this is, as Andrea alluded to, you have to plan ahead on this dessert. So you have to cool down your, uh, your bar and your chocolate peanut butter mixture before you put it in the fridge. And then you really want it to, to firm up again. So um, this is a kind of an overnight or several hours in the fridge. You can't be, uh, be rushing this one. So let let yourself have some time with that. Definitely. Well, Andrea, um, next week we are on to another Big Batch Bake and our sugar cookie bars from a website called – a blog called Together as Family. Now, I've made many embarrassing confessions over the almost year of this podcast, and here comes another one. <laughs> Why stop now? I'm so excited. I, I dearly love those soft sugar cookies. I think the brand is Archway or Arrowway, something like this. But how you know them is before any kind of major holiday, the stores will pull them out and have a display. So I'm sure they just had some there for like 4th of July. They're just a round kind of almost dome-shaped sugar cookie with a frosting and then some kind of like, you know, red, white, and blue sprinkles Rainbow. or at Easter like pastel or any kind of thing like that. I'm pretty sure they're made of like 100% petroleum. They are <laughs> partially so hydrogenated oils are used in the making they of this. They are item. so fake and in but if if it's kind of that thing where if I if I buy them it's dangerous because they will disappear before I know it. So, I was really um interested in finding this recipe because I think it could potentially be a homemade soft sugar cookie, but okay. in a much healthier way. So, okay. I'm um, excited. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's also nice, you know, uh, we do, we think of, uh, lots of people really loving, loving chocolate. And this is another, you know, entry for, for folks who maybe aren't crazy about chocolate, want to take a little break from chocolate, uh, makes up another huge tray bake. And, um, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to this one. I'm excited about trying this one. You taught me the term you just used, tray bake, mm-hmm. last week in mm-hmm. episode 42. And I just think that that's one of the best ways to bake. I love one bowl baking. I love, you know, tray bakes. I just like the idea of having everything and then you can just cut it up. You can save the edges for yourself and make sure it turned out okay. <laughs> and um, and then I love the idea you can make it as small or as big as you like. And that's kind of, for me, one of the funnest components of these tray bakes is if you, you could do a couple really small ones and you could do a couple that are a bigger size, you can mix it up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've got a week worth of of school lunches or snacks to get you through the workday too. And so it's nice to just kind of be able to go back to the well and and, uh, replenish your supply. So that's uh, from Together as Family. And we will put a link on our website, which is preheatedpodcast.com. And we'll also put that up on uh, Facebook and in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 43 and uh, Pinterest too. So lots of places to find that one. Yeah. So Andrea, we're going to shift gears a little bit in uh, in honor of this being the back to school official back to school month of September, um, and reminisce a little bit about 
home ec and school lunch and well, Andrea, I'm not sure you uh, realize that you're talking to the March 1990 Food Student of the Month from Everett High School. Oh, <laughs> do tell. I was not aware that I was mm-hmm. speaking with such mm-hmm. royalty. Mm-hmm. Well, um, unlike in my middle school, uh, home ec wasn't required when I was in high school, but I took it as, um, uh, what are those classes called? You don't have to take it, but you can if you want. Electives. An elective. Thank you. See how long I've been out of the school yes. system. Um, I took it as an elective, and uh, I loved, I just dearly loved my foods teacher, Pat Kernut. Mrs. Kernut, if you're out there and you're listening, I owe you so much. Um, Mrs. Kernut was just one of those teachers who really liked kids and just understood kids. And so, like, all everyone responded to her because she just respected kids and just knew how to act around them. And she was just... I love, I loved Mrs. Mrs. Kernot. You were the best. So um, her class was just really, really fun. She never said no to anything. You could come up with these really wild menu suggestions and she would, uh, she would okay it. I had home ec uh, kind of right after my lunch period. So on the days when we were making our meals, we just wouldn't eat lunch. And then we'd make up this fabulous, you know, multi-course, multi-course meal. Um, now, you know, to be fair, there weren't very many people in home ec anymore. Uh, I think my class was like nine kids, probably the smallest high school class I had. Um, mm. But but yeah, so then I was crowned food student of the month. Um, oh, I know. I wow. think I saw that picture somewhere, too. Maybe I can dig that out. I, to- I don't know if it came to England. I don't know. <laughs> we need to find that. I am jealous. I um, never had home ec. I went to a small high school and that wasn't an option. We, oh gosh, I think we maybe had 250 uh, students total. I mean, I say a small high school, it was actually a K through 12. Wow, um, and so it, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a small group. So we did not have home ec. Um, we did not even have a cafeteria for school lunches. Where did you eat? We, well, Okay, I shouldn't say that. We had a room in which we ate, but, you know, they did not serve us lunch. Sure, you had to bring your own. Okay, okay. Well, you would think that, right? You would think that most people would just bring their own lunch. But given that we were in New Orleans and good, cheap food is plentiful and nearby, what we did instead was we ordered out every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Every morning, you would get your menu, and we almost always did a local po' boy shop. And so, you know, you would get your roast beef po' boy or your, you know, um, soft shell crab po' boy or shrimp po' boy. I got shrimp a lot. And I'm not sure. I can't remember how the students were chosen to go and, and pick up, but there was some some system where two students would go in their car and pick up the lunch and bring it back. And then we would have a roast beef po' boy for lunch or your shrimp po' boy for lunch. So I have amazing memories of school lunches, even though it wasn't necessarily something my school provided. And I often feel sorry for my daughter when I'm putting together kind of the little sad, you know, ham and cheese on wheat bread. (laughs) Oh, where's your po' boy? I know. So, okay, I I have a clarifying question here. Was this, because my high school had an open campus too, so we could go out to lunch if we wanted at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Did you just have an open campus or was the school like actively helping you like, like place your order with kind of, you know, uh, eateries in the area that were, were on board with all the high school orders? Right. We did not have an open campus. We couldn't leave. Okay. Um, so we ha- they selected the restaurant and, you know, I don't know what went on behind the scenes of, of how that worked. I think, the main restaurant we used was a graduate of the school. So I, th- I 
think that was probably how it worked. Got it. And um, we, so we would get the menu in the mornings and we would check off what we needed and go up to the office and pay for it. And then, you know, somehow they would probably just call and place the large order and then the students would go and pick it up and then they would bring it to the room where we all ate. And it was kind of an, a multi-purpose room. It was where we ate. It was where we did our school plays. It was where we held our assemblies, you know, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, they would just... and this was all the kids, like from K through 12 or just the no, older kids? No, no, just the high school. Yeah, just okay. the high school. Kid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, gosh. you just nothing can hold a candle to this, right? <laughs> I have very, very fond memories of school lunch. I would like yes. that for my lunch now. I know. Oh, wow, Andrea, that's uh, that is some memory. Yeah, um, in in elementary school, we didn't um, buy a lot of hot lunch, but um, occasionally, you know, you'd forget. And back in the day. I think everything's kind of like on an automated system in the states um, in Seattle School District now. But um, so there's like no cash transactions. But back in the day, if you forgot your lunch, they just, you know, be like, bring us a buck tomorrow. And um, inevitably, I would forget my lunch and need to go through the hot lunch line on cheese zombie day. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That that does not sound good to me. Mm -mm. Cheese zombie was like... um, agricultural grade cheddar cheese that they would somehow pump into this large fluffy uh like a dinner roll on steroids and um (laughs) no i don't know if it was supposed to be like a grilled cheese or what it was supposed to be but um you think that cheese zombie couldn't get any worse but it could because if cheese zombie day flew uh fell on uh saint patrick's day they would dye it green (laughs) I mean, you you talked about Mrs. Kernut and how much she loved children. I think the people creating those foods were the opposite. They were probably thinking, what can we do to horrify these kids? Although, I don't know, maybe kids love that kind of stuff. I don't remember. I just remember, you know, first of all, the name and and just, you know, it was just so, oh, geez, zombie day. No. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It seems that almost more like someone who's never met a child and is just like, we'll just put this right. cheese inside this roll. <laughs> I don't know. How can we use our industrial size box of cheese that we've been given? If there's any, you know, of my uh, my schoolmates out there who have a child still in the good old Everett public schools system, please, please let me know that cheese zombie is not still on the menu. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I um don't have really any memories of grade school and middle school hot lunches. I think I pretty much always brought my lunch and um I don't know if that was because of cost or because, you know, the actual lunches that they served weren't very appealing. I don't remember having any strong desire to have the the grade school lunch and but you know, a lot of it for me was more about um timing. You know, I didn't want to wait in that big, long line. And, um, you know, then you would, you, by the time you would go to sit down, all the seats would be taken and, and that sort of thing. So I liked kind of just being in control of my lunch hour or you know, my lunch 20 minutes, it probably was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and which is one reason, too, that my kids this year are doing doing a hot lunch is because it's, it's a much smaller scale. And so getting through that line should hopefully not be um, the majority of their break. So... I know, but so many, so many, um, so many fond and and funny memories, indeed, of eating yes. eating at school. So, 
I know. Listeners, we would love to hear some of your um, memories of maybe your fondest memories of unforgettable good or bad school lunches. So we'll throw a post up on our Facebook group. And why don't you weigh in and tell us what you remember as being spectacularly good or bad or in some way memorable like the cheese zombie. (laughs) Bringing it back. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to the dishes. Join us next week as we tackle a classic English favorite, lemon drizzle cake. It's in every coffee shop and cafe here in London, and I can't wait to share my favorite recipe with you. We'll also review our sugar cookie bars and talk about some of the best books we've read this summer, as well as some we're looking forward to reading in the fall. Remember, you can find us in our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, and you can download us on Google Play and Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you subscribed to the show and gave us a five-star review. Both things will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Okay. I might have kept eating during that extra. Hmm.